a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. To divide and conquer is a tactic that's been employed on the battlefield, in business, in social circles, and in politics for just about as long as we've been walking upright. It is something that uh, you see uh, on display by foreign countries. Uh, I I think back to a conversation I had uh, with John Huntsman Jr. some time ago as Congress, specifically the House of Representatives, was just at the early days of formulating uh, and putting together and organizing that China task force, which has uh, recently come out with suggestions on how to uh, combat the uh, threat, real or perceived or predicted, posed by uh, China on the United States. Uh, One of the things that uh, during that conversation with John Huntsman Jr., he pointed out was that uh, that China understands uh, our weakness when it comes to our political division. Uh, the, the context of that comment came in the fact that the China task force was comprised exclusively of Republicans and that despite uh, early, early uh, support of the task force by you know, people like Speaker Pelosi, that uh, ultimately uh, not one Democrat accepted uh, the, the invitation to participate in that task force as a, as a member. Uh, and John Huntsman Jr. was pointing out that China understands division. Well, it's not only China that understands division. We see that understanding uh, here in in politics uh, on our own shores. And there was much of it on display, I believe, yesterday during the the confirmation hearing of Judge Barrett as she faced uh, questions from senators on both sides of the aisle. There were uh, efforts to d- divide, and many of them were, were predicted. Uh, many of them appear to be coming straight from the script, uh, and yet there was one exchange that, that caught me off guard. And I have, uh, you know, since, since first hearing the, the exchange between New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and Judge Amy Coney Barrett, I've been a bit perplexed. During uh, day two, which was yesterday, Senator Booker asked a series of questions which I, I can only interpret as being designed to create a sense of division or disagreement between Judge Barrett and President Trump. Now, there's no reason for Barrett and Trump to necessarily agree on anything. Trump nominated her, but the extent of their cooperation ends there. And, and I would be, I'd be slow to even characterize that as cooperation. Her nomination is to an independent post, a role within a separate branch of government, and an independent judiciary. Luckily, I think for the court and for our country, Barrett, in her replies to uh, Senator Booker's uh, questions yesterday, showed a clear understanding of this independence and the need to protect and preserve it. Let me walk through some of that exchange between Senator Booker and Judge Barrett. First off, remember that Barrett is the mother of two black children, whom she spoke on at length yesterday in her introduction. Now, remembering that, listen to this question by Senator Booker and ask yourself why he felt so compelled to ask it. I want to just ask you very simply, and I I imagine you'll give me a very short, resolute answer. Um, 
But you condemn white supremacy, correct? Yes. There's a little chuckle in his voice there. Why, why the need to ask that question? Senator Booker then follows up her response with some thoughts uh, on the president and offers uh, something of an apology. Thank you. I'm glad to see that you said that. I wish our president uh, would say that so resolutely and unequivocally as well. But we are at a time that Americans are literally fearful because their president cannot do that in the resolute manner in which you did. I'm, I'm sorry that that question had to even be asked at this time. I'm sorry that that question even had to be asked at this time. I don't believe, Senator Booker, that it did have to be asked. And because of that belief, I don't genuinely believe that you were sorry. I believe strongly that inserting that question there was simply in an effort to remind voters uh, your position and your views uh, on President Trump and what he may or may not have expressed in the past regarding white supremacy. Following his focus on white supremacy, Senator Booker then moves on to another headline-making issue, but this time he looks at the issue of peaceful transfer of power. We have heard that phrase uttered a number of times, uh, and there are those uh, accusing President Trump of not being willing to peacefully transfer power should he not be the victor in November. Senator Booker. Do you believe that every president should make a commitment unequivocally and resolutely to the peaceful transfer of power? All right, let me play that question again. Do you believe that every president should make a commitment unequivocally and resolutely to the peaceful transfer of power? Think about for a moment the context in which that question was asked. This is a nomination hearing to fill a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Does Booker believe he'll get an answer to a question like that from someone being considered for the Supreme Court? I I can't imagine he does. Senator Booker is a smart man. He's well-educated, a Stanford undergraduate. He went then to Queens College as a Rhodes Scholar. And then then after that, uh, he gets a law degree from Yale University. He knows what he's doing. He, He knows what he's doing. Do you believe that every president should make a commitment unequivocally and resolutely to the peaceful transfer of power. Here's Judge Barrett's response. That seems to me to be pulling me in a little bit into this question of whether the president has said that he would not peacefully leave office. And so to the extent that this is a political controversy right now, as a judge, I want to stay out of it, and I don't want to express a view. Seemingly dissatisfied with that reply, Senator Booker asked the question again. In light that everyone who serves in that office has sworn an oath where they, quote, swear to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, I'm just asking you, should a president commit themselves? And there it is. Our time's expired. There's plenty more I'd like you to hear. Uh, after the break, I'll see if I can sneak in the response to Senator Booker's question there by Judge Barrett. It was impressive, uh, and I'd point out and remind you that it was off the cuff. Quick break. When we return, we'll get Judge Barrett's response. Plus, we're going to look at the impact of COVID-19 on the military. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. 
Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.